0: Welcome to our family room again. Um, it's getting kind of n- normal feeling. Um, I'm glad you're continuing to join us. For those of you t- checking us out for the first time, thank you so much. Um, we're in a series and we're looking at the idea of running on empty, um, of not wanting to run out of gas, but feeling like we're running on empty. And today I want to talk to you about slowing down. And I know what some of you are thinking. Slowing down? If I slow down anymore, I'm going to be going backwards. In fact, I think I already am going backwards. I get that. Before this global pandemic, I know many of you had a pretty hurried lifestyle. You may or may not um, have been forced to slow down a bit in all of this. But that doesn't mean you've slowed down in your head. Your mind might still be going 90 miles an hour. And when we begin to get back to normal, or more likely the new normal, whatever that will be, your tendency is gonna be to hit the ground running, back at the same pace, maybe even faster, in order to make up for lost time. And I also know that many of you had a slower pace before this crisis hit, and in all the weirdness and changes that have taken place, you might not be moving faster externally, but inside, things are moving at a pace that's easy to see is way too fast. Your mind is racing with so many unknowns, so many questions, so many outcomes, so many different things, school issues, work issues, family issues, relationship issues. It's like a pinball machine in your head. So for some of you, this message is going to be timely and something that you can use today, right now. But maybe for some of you, this message, it should be kept on a stove, maybe put on the back burner, but keep it on the stove because you're going to need it. Maybe not right this second, but really soon. As a world, we've had to slow down. And I am not in any way diminishing the scope or the severity of this crisis, but slowing down has, at least to a certain extent, been a good thing in a way, because it's been forced, though the outcome is not the same as if it'd been a choice we made because we knew that we were too hurried. And there's another outcome that we predicted in our recent series on social media before all this hit, and that is people are on social media more. So they're seeing what others are posting more, and what they're doing is comparing. And we know what happens when you compare. It's not good. There are even many churches and church leaders, leaders that I've talked to, uh, and what they're doing is they're watching what other churches are doing online, and they're getting a little bit freaked out by it. I've heard the comments, we can't do that. We don't have their budget. We don't have their resources. We don't have their talent. So whether it's an individual, you know, moms, dads, kids, relationships, or even if it's a business or if it's a church or whatever, we watch others highlight reels, and then we compare it to our bloopers and outtakes, and it creates a ton of problems. It's just like living that hurried, crazy-paced lifestyle, does the same thing, go, 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 as we're thinking and we're comparing, it does the same thing. So I wanna just look at some of the effects of all of this. Here's some of the things that are happening, and maybe you recognize some of these things in your own life. Here's the first one. I feel more stress. I feel more stress. Ecclesiastes 5.3 says this, overwork makes for restless sleep, and that's what a number of people have experienced and maybe on another level are even experiencing now more so, because you can't keep discharging without recharging. You have to periodically slow down, whether it's internal or external. There's nothing wrong with going fast unless it's fast all the time. You go fast and you go slow because there are ebbs and flows in life. There's a rhythm to life. You go fast and you go slow. Another result of, of a, a lifestyle like this is the first one, I feel more stressed. And the second one, I lose my joy. It is much harder to enjoy life when we're hurried or racing, whether it's in our actions or in our thoughts. If we're always moving on to the next thing in our heads, it's hard to enjoy because you don't enjoy something fast. Enjoyment comes slow. Our dog is a prime example of this. If you give him a treat that another dog might enjoy for hours, he has it gone in minutes, usually seconds. I don't even think he chews it. And you look at him, it's like, You would have enjoyed that way more had you slowed down and enjoyed it. If your life is just constant pressure, fast, fast, fast paced, whether it's externally or internally, you're not enjoying anything like you could be. Job 9, we talked about Job a week or so ago. Here's what he said. My days go by faster than a runner. They fly away without my seeing any joy. They're just happening. One is flowing into the next and he's not experiencing the joy that he should. So that's, that's a result. Here's another result. I'm less productive. All that activity and stressing over things actually makes you less productive. Every creative person knows this. It's called the law of diminishing returns because you get to a point where the more you put into something, the less you see. You have to pace yourself. You have to go fast and you have to go slow. Growing up, we had a plaque on the wall in my home that said, the hurrier I go, the behinder I get. I've told you about that before. I don't know if you know that that's actually a biblical principle. It doesn't quite say it like that, but it's a biblical principle. Here's what Proverbs 21 says. Careful planning puts you ahead in the long run. Hurry and scurry puts you farther behind. I love that, hurry and scurry, because that defines the external for some people and the internal for many people. This last result, at least for now, it's the last one, this is huge. I can't hear God. I can't hear God. If your mind or your body is racing and rushing all the time, you really don't know God, because you don't know God in a hurry. You get to know God when you slow down when you get quiet, when you become still. Psalm 46, you've heard me say this all the time, be still and know that I am God. The first half of that verse, it goes with the second half. Be still and know that I am God. If you're not still, you'll never get to know God. The only way to get to know that God is God is by being still. You have to have some times of quiet sometimes of solitude, sometimes of stillness in your life, externally and internally. Today, I just wanna share with you some ways to slow down your pace, maybe to quiet the noise in your head. I'm gonna suggest five values. These are counter-cultural values or strategies because they're the exact opposite of what our culture teaches. If you do these things, you'll find joy going up in your life and you'll find stress going down in your life. Does that sound good? Here's the first one. Learn contentment. Learn contentment. If you're serious about slowing down, you don't start with your schedule. You start in your heart. Here's what Philippians 4.12 says. I have learned, Paul says, the secret of being content in any and every situation. Notice that he says, I've learned the secret. I've learned to be content. You're not by nature a contented person, neither am I. It's our nature to want things to be different. It's our nature to want them to be better, to want them to be something other than what they are. It's not my nature to be contented and neither is yours. But if you're gonna make sure that you're not running on empty, you have to learn contentment. And it's learned over time. Let me explain what contentment is not. Contentment is not having no ambition. You ought to have ambition. You ought to want to make the most of your life. You ought to want to make the most of what God has given you. God says it's good to have godly ambition. So it's not saying, I don't have any goals, I don't have any dreams, I don't have any desires, I don't have any plans, or I don't have any ambitions. It's not saying that. That is not contentment. You ought to have goals and dreams and ambitions. Contentment is this. Hear this. I don't need more in order to be happy. Or I'm not waiting for more in order to be happy. I'm happy right now. We say this all the time around here. Happiness is a choice. You don't wait until things are better or you have more. I have dreams and I have goals, but I don't need more in order to be happy. That's contentment. Ecclesiastes 4 says this, verse 6, It's better to have only a little with peace of mind than to be busy all the time with both hands trying to catch the wind. One more thing before we move on to the next countercultural value or strategy. I want to do a whole series on this someday. And that's this. Life is not a zero-sum game. Here's what that means. In a zero-sum game, whatever is gained by one side is lost by another. When someone wins, someone else loses proportionately because whatever you're winning or losing, there's only so much of that available. Does that make sense? Now, I get that in most sporting events, someone wins and someone loses. That's the way it is. That's the way it should be. When our kids were little, there were times when they played sports that they didn't want to encourage the wrong thing, so they didn't keep score during the game. Let me tell you this. The kids kept score, and so did the competitive adults, okay? But in a zero-sum game, that's where whatever one side gains, the other side loses that. Too many people in life are not content because someone has something they don't or they're doing something that they're not doing. All the social media time during this quarantine has only amplified that. Seeing other people's posts makes some people so jealous. Life is not a competition. You're not competing against anyone else. One thing that aids in learning to be content is celebrate other people's wins. Celebrate other people's victories with them, because just because they won doesn't mean I lost. Proverbs, Proverbs 1430 says this, a relaxed attitude lengthens a man's life. Jealousy rots it away. See, once you've got step one, that's pretty countercultural. learning to be content in your heart, now you've got to move to your mouth because you may not realize this, but your mouth actually controls the pace of your life. The way, the speed, and how you talk to other people actually influences your heart rate. It influences your stress levels in life. So here's the second countercultural thing number two, listen before speaking. Learn to listen before speaking. That's the second strategy from God's word for slowing down so we're not running on empty all the time. Have you noticed that in the movies or on TV shows, you know, the news, talk shows, whatever, everybody is always interrupting everybody else. They're always butting in. And you watch things and often there's three or four people talking at the same time, nobody's listening. Everybody's talking at once, nobody's listening at all. Why why is that? Why has America gotten so rude? One of the answers is because of the speed of life, we have become impatient and unwilling to let others finish their thought. So we butt in. We're so eager to say our piece, to get our point across, that we don't even take the time to let somebody finish a thought before we butt in. I do this, you do this, everybody does this. It is something that we all need to work on James 1 19 says it like this, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to get angry. I want you to notice a couple things from this passage. If you do the first two, the third one is going to happen automatically. If you are quick to listen and if you learn to be slow to speak, I guarantee you, you will be slow to become angry. If you've got an anger problem, this is the beginning of the solution the antidote to your anger. Learn to be quick to listen. Learn to be slowing slow to speak. And if you do that, you'll learn to deal with your anger. Proverbs 29.20 says this, Do you see a man who speaks in haste? In other words, you open your mouth before you engage your mind. Do you see a man who speaks in haste? There is more hope for a fool than for him. So once you get your heart and your mouth Slow down. Now you're ready to begin working on the scheduling. That's the third countercultural strategy. Number three, obey the fourth commandment. That's what it is. We've talked about this at length recently, so I'm not going to go into too many details here. Here's what the fourth commandment says You have six days in which to do your work, but the seventh day is a day of rest, God says, dedicated to me. Remember how we summed this up? Work, 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 rest. That's what this commandment says. Work, 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 rest. That's what we do. Too many people have that flipped and they're rest, 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 work, and they don't understand why things aren't working for them. See, many have been forced to slow down from their normal work, but have only pasted that speed onto what's happening at home or, or whatever. And for those who are not running as much externally, but are racing towards the wall inside, the principle is the same. You've heard me say that what I have attempted to do is this, divert daily, withdraw weekly, step back seasonally, and abandon annually. That's my schedule for figuring out how to make sure I'm obeying the fourth commandment and honoring the Sabbath. And I will admit that in the last six weeks or so, that hasn't been happening like it should. There have been too many weeks without a day off, without a day of rest. I have been putting in, we we have been putting in significantly more time, getting everything working, keeping everything working, planning for whatever this new normal is gonna be. And it's funny because I worked on this message, I got to this point and that hit me like a ton of bricks. I actually texted Julie and said, this is the point I'm on, I'm wrong and it's wrong of me. You know what it says when we do that? It says, we think it's all up to us and not God. And so I repented of that, and I am adding some margin back into my life. Psalm 127.2 says this, it's useless to rise early, to go to bed late, to work your worried fingers to the bone. It's not saying it's useless to work hard, to get up early or stay up late. The key word there is worried. It's useless to rise early, go to bed late, to work your worried fingers to the bone. Don't you know, God enjoys giving rest to those he loves. See, there are ebbs and flows in life. We need to take our Sabbath. Jesus did. Talk about being a busy person. He had to accomplish everything the Father gave him to do. He had three and a half years of earthly ministry to do it, and he had these intense periods of ministry, and then Jesus would take time off. So that's the third one. Here's the 4th countercultural strategy. Pause and pray before deciding. I am not talking, when I say pause and pray before deciding, I'm not talking about saying, I'm going to pray about that as a cop-out for not making a decision. That's not what we're talking about here. I'm talking about in all the decisions that you need to make, maybe even especially the time-sensitive ones, Here's what you do. You just shoot up a microwave prayer. You know what that is? God, what do you want me to do in this instance? And you wait. God, is there anything you want to say to me right now? And you wait. God, help me make the right decision. And you wait. Now, you don't tell anybody this. You don't say, excuse me a minute, I want to pray. Don't say that. Keep your eyes wide open. Keep making eye contact while you're looking at whoever and they ask you a question, they ask for a decision. I do this. I don't even blink my eyes while I'm looking at them. Just in a split second, while I'm looking at them, they're looking at me, I'm going, what do you want me to do, Lord? Give me wisdom in this. That's what I'm saying to him. And the reason you do this is because when you stop to pray, you can get that wisdom from him, but in that pause, you also get perspective. And perspective is what helps you make wise decisions. Proverbs 19.2 says, a person in a hurry makes mistakes. You ever heard the saying, measure twice, cut once? When you're working with anything, like you're working with wood and you got to cut a board to fit somewhere. That's what we always used to say, measure twice and cut once because we would joke and say, I've cut this board twice and it's still too short. Some of you get that. Some of you don't. You'll get it later. The thing is, if you're in a hurry, sometimes you do the wrong thing. Anyone ever missed a turn or an exit going the wrong way maybe and actually lost time because you were in a hurry? I think we all have done that. James 1.5 says this, If any of you needs wisdom, wisdom to know what you should do, you should ask God. He will give it to you. So we pause and we pray before deciding and the fifth countercultural strategy for slowing down for not running out of gas in life is this number five trust god's timing so we learn contentment we listen before speaking we obey the fourth commandment we pause and pray before deciding and if you're serious about slowing down your life so you don't run on empty or run out of gas you've got to learn to trust god's timing if discontent is one cause of hurry and it is, then impatience is the other cause of hurry. You know what impatience is? It's lack of trust. When you're impatient, you're saying, God, I really don't trust you. We're actually saying, God, I don't think you have my best interest at heart. You know when I need it and I'm in a hurry. Look what it says in Ecclesiastes 3, verse 11. God does everything just right and on time but people can never completely understand what he's doing. You see, God has a plan for your life. You know that, we tell you that all the time. You know God has a plan for your life, but he also has a timetable for your life. Did you know that? God does not just have a plan for your life. He has a timetable for your life. Here's the rub. God never explains his timetable. Doesn't that just tick you off sometimes? As I've said before, one of the most painful things is when you're in a hurry and God's not. Part of maturity in growing up, children have to learn the difference between no and not yet. They have to learn that. They have to learn a delay is not a denial. And as an adult follower of Jesus, you have to learn the same thing with God. A delay is not a denial and God knows the right way, and God knows the right time. He has a plan, and he has a timetable. Here's the thing. I don't want to always be running on empty. I don't want you always running on empty. I want to let God use this time of crisis and quarantine with all the changes and everything else to work in our lives, to grow us, so that we come out the other side better and more well-equipped to do what he has for us. So if you know Jesus, you've stepped across the line, and you've come to the Father through his one and only Son, Jesus, learn contentment, listen before speaking, obey the fourth commandment, work, 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 rest, pause and pray before deciding, And trust God's timing. And maybe you're joining us today and that kind of rest in life sounds good to you. To be able to recharge and not be running on empty all the time. Maybe you're seeing for the first time, it's not about religion. It's not about the rules and regulations and rituals and requirements and running in religion. Maybe you've never seen before that it's actually about a relationship. Maybe you've never come into that relationship with Jesus and admitted your brokenness and sin and ask him to be your savior. You can do that right now, wherever you're at. You can be in your kitchen. You can be in your living room, wherever. Just say this in your mind. You can say it out loud. Doesn't matter which, because God hears your heart. Just say this, Jesus, I admit I've sinned and fallen short. I've been running on empty. I'm believing and receiving you today as my Lord and Savior. Come into my heart and life and change me. I'm coming to you for the rest you promised. In your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer today for the first time, if you've invited Jesus into your heart and life, Recognized your sin, turn from your sin, turn to Jesus. If you prayed that from your heart today, I want to say welcome to the family. We're rejoicing. We're rejoicing with you. All of heaven is rejoicing. Let us know that you made that decision today. I don't know if you're watching on Facebook or YouTube or the website. I think on the website, there's a little place you can click like a virtual hand raise. It's like, yes, I made that decision today comment on it, direct messages, you know, private messages, uh, email us, let us know somehow. There's even, when I'm done here, there'll be an email address on screen. I think it's freshstart at journeynorchurch.com, but you'll see that on the screen afterwards. Email us, let us know. We're in this together. If you need a Bible, we'll make sure you get a Bible, but we want to come out of this better and stronger and ready to hit the ground running, but not running on empty. So thanks for joining me in my living room and I'll see you again soon.
1: Well, hey, I'm really excited to be worshiping with you guys, uh, especially now, because this is one of my favorite songs. Uh, What I like about this song is it reminds me of the Chronicles of Narnia, where they're finding out about Aslan for the first time, and Lucy says, is he safe? And Mr. Beaver says, safe? Who said anything about safe? But he's good, and he's the king. And that, that really, It makes me think of Jesus, because I don't think God calls us to a life of complacency or even comfort, but I think a life filled with God and grace and love is about living on the edge, and it's an excitement, and it's an adventure, so that's why I like the song. Your love, a mighty river Your grace, a raging sea Your mercy knows no measure As it crashes over me so your love is white River. your grace is your mercy knows no matter as it crashes over me Cause your love is fire fire in my soul And darkness for the broken and the shame. You get beautiful, these ashes. Who can fathom this exchange. Cause your love is bucky Fire in the soul, your love is Oh